right? And so if you um, need to turn to our text this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 42. So I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Just going to rearrange the podium while we do that. All right, so let's pay careful attention to, to God's word this morning. To the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Oh, I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. <clears throat> By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. <clears throat> While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. <clears throat> this is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the goodness that's there. We thank you for all that we need to, to know and learn and be reminded of through it. And we pray this morning that you would speak to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. All right, if you've been here with us this summer for any length of time, you may have noticed we're preaching through I'm a sermon series that focuses on dis different aspects of the liturgy. So uh, we've looked at things like the confession of sin. We've looked at assurance of pardon and things like that. But, but we've also, there's kind of been this overarching theme that kind of colors all of those things. So you've heard Josh talk a lot about head, heart, and hands, right? So uh, we want to hear and receive the word with our head. Um, we want to be changed by it and transform more in the likeness of Christ and our heart. And then we want to go out and engage and serve the world in his name with our hands, right? So that's kind of the gist of the head, heart, and hands. And that's something we talk a lot about as a church. And so you almost got away with it a few weeks ago when I was out. I was supposed to preach the sermon. Um, you almost got away with talking about the heart part of, of the head, heart, and hands. Um, but here we are. Spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about our heart. We're going to be talking about our feelings a little bit this morning. So in the spirit of that, I have a question for you. How are you doing? How many times have we been asked that, that question? There may be no other question that's as open-ended as that, right? It can mean a lot of things, and we can answer a lot of different ways. Most of the time, I feel like we kind of respond with, oh, I'm good. How are you? You know, or um, I'm hanging in there. I feel like I hear that a lot also. But are we really fine, right? How are we really doing when we're asked that question? What if it was rephrased just a little bit? Um, what if someone asked you, instead of how you're doing, what if they said, how is your heart? Which Josh 
Um, since he's not here, I can talk about him a little bit. Um, he's been known to ask this question, and I've been known to get really uncomfortable when he asks it. Um, it's an introvert's worst, worst nightmare type of question, right? So, so how is your heart? Um, but it's an important one. Is your heart fine this morning, or is it anything but fine? C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, makes an important observation about the heart and kind of these, these issues that we're going to be covering this morning. Um, and he also makes this assessment really about the human experience, right? Because the heart drives so much of who we are as people. Um, so Lewis says, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It is easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. Um, so maybe you're here this morning and your heart is broken. Maybe you're feeling disappointed or maybe you're depressed or maybe you're really anxious because college just started back, right? You're, you're overwhelmed. There's a lot going on in life. Maybe it just seems like the weight of the world and the weight of a besetting sin is, is really just crushing down on you in a particular way in this season. How can we give words to this type of, of a feeling, these types of um, emotions as they come. Well, in God's grace, there's good news. You don't have to try to find the words, right? When you're feeling that way, um, and if you're feeling that way this morning, you don't have to try to figure out how to articulate it because in God's grace, you can find words he has given us, right? You, you and me, he's given his word. He's given a scripture to really articulate these types of messy emotions, right? And our, our messy response to them. So scripture, particularly in the Psalms, is full of language that's available to us to, to see and to use to express some of life's deepest emotions when words fail. And they often do fail, don't they? I think that's why we don't deal with a lot of things because we can't find the words or can't find the thoughts, but we have a source to do that, to help us interact with, with those things. Um, and so words often do fail. And our text today is a good example of this. It's, it's a good text um, to remind us of the solution to the turmoil that might be going on in our heart. And if not right now, then when those seasons come or if they've come before, um, Scripture really does inform how to interact with it. So our wanting and our, our dark nights of the soul, when those things creep up, um, Scripture can remind us that we serve a faithful and active and a loving God. Right? So if we're feeling depressed or defeated or if you're feeling detached from God or even if you're sitting here this morning amongst God's people but you feel detached from God's people, um, there's good news for you right, in, in our passage today. Um, despair is not an uncommon part of the Christian experience or the human experience, even though I think we often wish it were. right? But God has graciously provided us with what we need to navigate all those times. Himself, his word. Right? So this morning, we're going to look at how steadfast hope in God is the remedy to those seasons of doubt and depression and struggle and any other messy, entangled thing that, that we might experience. And so as we're looking at Psalm 42, I want us to be reminded that the struggle of inward turmoil is a very real part of the Christian life. But the remedy for our weary souls is found in, in the fulfilled covenant promises of our faithful God. And so if you're taking notes this morning, um, here are three, three things we're going to look at in, in particular. <clears throat> because God keeps his promises, we can trust him. And so here's how we do that. Here's some, some ways that we're going to look at. Um, number one, 
We're going to look at how we can trust God through our tears because he has not deserted us. We're going to look at how we can cry out to God in the raging sea of our life because he is sustaining us. And we're going to look at how we can hope in God as we limp toward heaven because we will praise him again and he will bring us faithfully home. And so that first point, trust in God through the tears because he has not deserted us. He's not deserted you. And so looking specifically at verses one through four, as our text begins, we see the words to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. So the writer of this Psalm, as well as of Psalm 43, um, is none other than one of the priest musicians. So it's someone um, who created music to sing in public worship, right? So it was someone who was probably looked up to, who was strong in the faith, you know, if you will, And the song opens with a familiar line that we see in verse one. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. Have you heard that before? I feel like we hear it a lot in in songs and um, and greeting cards even. You know, there's a serene picture of of a deer and a stream and a forest and those types of things. But, But is this really a picture of pastoral beauty? I don't think it is. I think if you if we look through Psalm 42, we see this more of a, a picture of, of anguish, right? Of, of panic and of even pain. This is a picture of a near-death experience. Charles Spurgeon, in his commentary on this particular psalm, speaks of it being like a hunted deer that's like running from the hunter, right? Running for its life, just looking for some drop of sustenance, some relief from what it's going through. So this deer that's being pictured here is, is desperate. And the writer is clearly showing his deep desire to be where God is, right? And, and I think the interesting thing about that, we can, we can read the Psalms and really any part of Scripture a lot of times and, and feel like all of these writers and authors were just way more spiritual than us, right? And they had it all together, and they wrote these beautiful words through the Holy Spirit's guidance, right? But, but as we can see, this is someone like us, right? This is someone who, who loves God, who has been faithful to him, who has worshipped him, but he's still experiencing a season of of just spiritual dryness and um, anguish of some sort, right? And so he's he's like us. And I think that's important to remember because he's not talking down to us. He's he's speaking um, his words out of his heart um, that that he's going through. So um, that's an important kind of side note there. So the writer really wants to be physically where God is, right? And so at this time in history, you could be physically where God is if you went to the temple. Um, you and I don't have to, to do that now, but at the time this psalm was written, God's people, right, would have likely sang some of the psalms that this musician had put together on their way to the temple together, on the way up to um, the temple to worship God, to be near his presence, right? They had to actually go and do that. Um, and thankfully, today, you and I don't have to make that kind of pilgrimage, or at least don't have to make it very far pilgrimage. Um, and, and God's grace through Christ, we can come to him at any time, right? All we have to do is engage with him. Um, we can, can pray to him whenever we want. Uh, we have access to him whenever we want uh, through Christ at any time, in any place. Um, even right now, right? We don't have to make a pilgrimage somewhere else. He's here with us. But it doesn't always feel like he is, does it? He can feel far off. God can feel very distant. We can be wondering where he is, 
right? And, and this is what we see um, in the psalmist. He, he speaks some of that same language. And so it may be that you and I can relate very much to what the psalmist says in verse 2. I'm, I'm thirsty for you, God. I'm drying up. I'm, I'm desperate. When, when can I be near you again? There's not any spiritual food, no nourishment, no encouragement. Instead, he says that his tears are his constant food. Right? He says in verse 3, uh, his, his tears have been um, his food all the day long, right? Night and day. And these are like a constant reminder of his distance from the Lord. So he can't escape whatever pain he's experiencing. Um, we don't really know what that is, but we know it's very real and very intense. And um, he feels very overwhelmed by it. And then the psalmist turns to how things used to be, right? And so there's kind of a shift here. The good old days, um, in a way, when he could go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with loud shouts and songs of praise, right? So you have this picture at the beginning of just desperation and sadness in a way, and then you have him remembering the total opposite of that. Loud shouts and songs of praise in God's presence, right? What could be more opposite than uh, despair than that? He remembers the sweetness of corporate worship, of being with God's people, and how good it was to be with them, praising the Lord together. And interestingly, this is the same thing God uses in our lives, just as it is in what he's using in the psalmist's life, right? This reminder of, of what real worship, true worship, true fellowship with God and his people is. Um, these are the things that he brings back to mind through his spirit when we're encountering a difficult season or we're, um, we're upset and we can't seem to get past it, right? We can, we can go back to the opposite of that, to thinking on these, these times when we did have that. <clears throat> and so those times of worship, of worship and fellowship with God's people cause the writer to speak a refrain that we're going to see a few times throughout Psalms 42 and 43. So you see it twice in Psalm 42, once in Psalm 43, and that's verses 5 and 11. And we'll come back to those in just a bit. Um, but this really connects those two psalms as part of this bigger song. So why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? But what's important for us to see here that is in the midst of a dark season, spiritually speaking, the psalmist realized that in that, that desert, God has not deserted him, right? That God is still present with him. And God will be there with us in those seasons of our lives. So I think that's important for us uh, to remember that even when we feel like we're in this desert, that we're not, we're not deserted, we're not alone, that our Lord is with us. <clears throat> and then this makes us come to the second point. So cry out to God in the raging sea, because he is sustaining us. So looking at verses 6 through 10. So regardless of physical distance, which the psalmist kind of talks about at the beginning, the psalmist knows that it's God he's missing. So he knows he needs to go and be where God is. He, he needs to be in his presence, whether that's somehow where he's at in that despairing moment or if that's physically going to the temple. He needs to be where God is. Right? He knows um, that this um, is the thing that um, is, is missing in this, this turmoil that he is facing. And so in verse 6b, we see that he says, I remember you from where I am in the land of Jordan and of Mount Hermon of Mount Mizar. This specifically shows that he's far north of Jerusalem, near the source of the Jordan River, which reinforces the separation that the psalmist feels. Right? He's, he's far from the temple. 
both physically and spiritually, right? In his heart, he's, he's far from where God is. But then there's this picture of raging waters, like he's being inundated, inundated by the breakers and the, and the waves of the Lord. Life can feel a lot like breakers and waves, can it? So a lot of times there's circumstances that are beyond our control um, and there are consequences of our own actions that really leave us feeling like we're going to drown in those things. Um, and this, this very verse, verse 7, just to give you a, a picture of that, um, this is even what the prophet Jonah recalls from the belly of the fish, right? Just to give you an idea of that depth of despair, that sense of, of drowning, of feeling like you're near death. But our emotions can often be a lot like a runaway train, can't they? Um, I feel like once you get started, once we're really upset, we're in this, this season of, of despair, it's hard to get out of that, right? The depression is not something you just like click and you're out of it, for example. Um, and, and our emotions just can run and run and run until we, we crash somehow. I mean, it's, it's never good, right? Our emotions will just take us clean away if we let them. But even in the midst of dark moments like this, uh, we are reminded again of God's faithfulness, right? So there's this continual back and forth that the psalmist is, is doing here. Um, there's this emotional tug of war, right? It almost seems like the guy is a little crazy, right? He's like, I'm really sad. Oh, but then I remember. I don't have to be sad anymore. You know, like, like I'm, I'm despairing, but then I remember God's faithfulness. Like, just back and forth, right? And Tim Ke- Keller in his uh, sermon on this passage talks about the psalmist as doing the equivalent of getting in touch with his feelings, right? He's kind of talking to himself and reminding himself um, of what's true, even as he's going through something that makes him feel the opposite way. I mean, so I think that's, that's important for us to remember, right? There are going to be times when we feel this weight, right? This despair or these these tumultuous emotions, we might feel those ways, but we have to remember that God is faithful no matter how we, how we feel, as real as those emotions are. Right? We, don't, we don't want to downplay those emotions, but we also want to know that God is faithful in spite of those things. And then the psalmist reminds us of that in verse 8. He says, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. So no matter what you or I may experience in this life, and no matter what season of spiritual fulfillment we might be in or spiritual emptiness we may be feeling, um, our God is going to sustain and he's going to keep us at all times, right? So the raging waters, the things that feel like they're going to sweep us away and will never be heard from again, those, those things um, are not going to overtake us in Christ if you belong to him. Everything the psalmist is experiencing He's filtering through that foundation. And I think we, we really need to do the same thing as his people today. So his emotions, as real as they are, are not ruling his actions, right? They're not carrying him away. He's not um, doing everything out of his emotions. Throughout the text, you see this back and forth, right? His emotions are real, but so is God. So look at verse 9, for example, when he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Right? So he's really expressing pain and frustration. Uh, and this, this echoes what is true overall in the Psalms. Right? As they, they teach us how to live wisely as God's people. We see throughout every Psalm um, real life kind of seeping in to the verses, but also real eternal truth seeping into the verses. Right? So no matter what emotions are being discussed or interacted with, they're always coming back to, to who God is and to how faithful he is. 
Um, and I think one important thing we want to note is that viewing life this way, like viewing our life through the eyes of faith in God and this God, uh, doesn't mean we put on rose-colored glasses, right? It doesn't mean we check out mentally and we're like, yes. It's almost like if your arm falls off and you walk around, it's like everything's fine, nothing's wrong. We don't do that as God's people, right? That's not what he calls us to. He calls us to be wise, right? And that's, that's why he gives us wisdom literature. I mean, one of the ways that we do that um, is by having a Christ-centered foundation that we can build our lives upon, right? And so his word um, is what we can build our life on. And, and his, his word is what gives us those words when we don't have them. Um, and so when we struggle, when we sin, when we suffer in this world, uh, we can come back to that foundation built on him over and over. Um, that's, that's what we're going to have to do, or else the waves will sweep us over and we'll be carried away, right, in our emotions and in other things. And so feel the full weight of your circumstances. Feel the full weight of, of how you feel, of your heart. But in the context of knowing that God keeps his promises to us through Christ. So feel while believing, right? There's multiple things going on in a given point for the Christian. Feel what you feel, but know who God is as you feel those things. Um, because a lot of those feelings are going to be contrary to who God is, right? Our feelings are going to tell us God's left you. It's over. Like, give up. But with a foundation rooted in God, in his word, we can know that that's not true, even if it really it seems like it might be. But, but then there's that glimmer of hope where it's like, oh, no, I remember. God has said he'll never leave me. He'll, he'll always be with me, right? Um, day and night, he surrounds me with his steadfast love. And, and so I think we, we've got to come back to that. And so ask yourself, how does what is true of God shine a light into the darkness of despair or depression or pain or any of those types of things. Your hope and, and your rescue is sure if you belong to Christ. So, so rest in that. Right? And so um, as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking, I finished a book earlier in the year um, on Rembrandt is in the wind. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's about different works of art and kind of the spiritual things going on behind them. But one of the, the paintings that the book talks about is by the Dutch artist Rembrandt. And so he painted um, a work called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. So if you can guess what it looks like, it looks like a ship full of people in a storm, right? And, and we can't see that painting anymore. It was stolen in the 90s and never recovered. But in the painting, you see these huge white-capped waves and all the people panicking on the ship, you know, the disciples um, from the Mark account in the Gospels, right? Really panicking and, and going up to Jesus and asking for his help. And then kind of in the corner, you see this person who's um, just kind of sitting there, not even watching the scene, but they're watching you looking at the painting, right? So it's kind of a, almost like an aside. And, and that little figure in the painting is Rembrandt. He often painted himself into those works. Um, but it made me think of, of what we're talking about today, because when all of life is going on around us, right? All the complexity, all the difficulty, all the painfulness sometimes, um, no matter what's going on in Christ, if we're rooted in him and his word, like we're talking about here, we kind of have the, the ability to, to take a step back and not be caught up in the moment, right? Like the disciples in, in scripture and in that painting were. But you can be more like the Rembrandt figure and just kind of have an objective view of what's going on and, and know that, that God is, is faithful and you're not going to be overwhelmed. And it's not over for you, even when it feels like it. So don't be afraid to cry out to the Lord 
with your deepest needs and your deepest hurts. Because he hears those things, every one of them. Even the things you don't know how to pray, he hears them. Right? And, and he will sustain us as we cry out to him. Which brings us to our third point. Hope in God as you limp toward heaven, because you will praise him again, and he will bring you faithfully home. So um, this is going to go back to verses 5 and 11, like we were talking about, that refrain that we see. Um, and so in, the, in talking about just having the words to interact with, with these things and not, not often knowing how to respond, um, this is what we want to preach to ourselves. 5 and 11. So I'm going to read them again. And I want you to read them again after you go home, too, as, as you're going through your week, even. So looking at verse 5, for example, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So these are kind of those stopping points you see in Psalm 42 and 43, where there's all these things going on and all these feelings. But then there's like, a pause and a reflection on who God is. We can hope in him. We're going to praise him again. Our salvation comes from him. And this is something we need to, to preach over and over to ourselves, right? To, to remind our friends of, to remind our family of, because it's easy to get swept up in, in life. There's a lot that goes on in a given day. Even at my house, there's so much going on at any given point. It's easy to just not have time to remember who God is and that we can trust him. And that not just that we're going to be okay, but we're going to be whole. We're going to be sustained. We're going to be cared for in him. And that's what I want us to see. Um, and just for a moment, I'm going to leave, leave this Psalm and I'm going to go over to John. So you don't have to turn here, but if you want, you're welcome to turn to John 14. And this is, uh, verses one through three, we're just going to look at really quick. This is what's referred to as the upper room or farewell discourse. And so the Lord is with his disciples gathered together shortly before he's going to be arrested. So just to give you an idea of, of the time that we're looking at here. So John 14, one through three says, whoops, I'm in Luke. So let me turn to John. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so this is what the psalmist is trying to say as well, isn't it? Hope in God, right? my salvation and my God. There's nowhere else to go but to him. And Jesus is sharing these words with his closest friends because he knew that they were going to need to cling to those words after his death and his resurrection and his ascension and all of those things. They were going to need to remember Jesus' words and that he was not going to leave them. He was going to get ready to be with them. right? Because the disciples were going to face endless challenges um, even after all the things that happened to Jesus, right? Their lives were characterized by difficulty and death even. Um, and so the intense persecution that they would face, the intense persecution the early church would face, um, these words would have helped them press on in faithfulness 
to Jesus. These, these words would have given them hope. And I hope they give us that as well this morning, right? What, what a promise that we have from our Lord that if I go to prepare a place for you, will I not come again and take you to myself? This is why the psalmist can hope in God because of the same reality, right? If, if you're in him, if you're a believer here this morning, the promise of God to be faithful to you, his covenant people, right, is, is true. That's a, it's a real thing. It's a reality for you if you're in Christ. And, and that should make your heart just like soar to the highest places, shouldn't it? And if you're here this morning and you don't have that hope, then, then hear those words, right? The God who gave you and who gave me life didn't do that so that we'd be miserable, right? It wasn't, wasn't a cruel prank or a joke that God just sends us out into the world to suffer. But the reality is that, that he gave his life so that our, that our life, even though it's hard, um, can, can be full and can be hopeful and can be full of joy because of who Jesus is and not what our circumstances are or who, who we even may be. Um, and so place your hope in Christ today if you haven't done that because he's the remedy for the weariness that we experience, right? He, he and his covenant faithfulness is what we need to not, not just be okay again, right? But to be whole, to be complete, to be full and have the fullness of joy um, that's found only in his presence. And so as we leave here this morning, may we remember these things and may we, um, may we trust his faithfulness and act each day um, in accordance with that. So know that because of who he is, you can trust him, you can cry out to him and you can hope in him. And so let's do that as we leave. Uh, pray with me. Lord, may this be what characterizes our life, that we, in the midst of emotions, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of so many dynamics in our lives and in the world around us, remind us that you are a faithful God and that you keep your promises and that you will not leave your own to our own devices or the devices of others, Lord, but you protect us, you are with us, and you give us more than what we need because you give us yourself. And help us, God, to... Um, be joyful this morning, to be thankful this morning, um, not just right now as we're gathered corporately, but in the busyness of our week and in the overwhelmed moments that we might experience. God, remind us of that, that of all the things we have, we have you. And I pray that that would uh, change our hearts, make us more like Christ, and help us to love um, you and those around us more. And so we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.